This short is brought to you by Lens Protocol. What is decentralized on Farcaster? How do you make decisions on what to decentralize um, versus centralized? Like, share with me your, your entire mental model around that. So the way to think about how sufficiently decentralized works is there's a spectrum between centralized and decentralized in terms of an application, right? And in a centralized application, most common example is a company runs a set of APIs. The company decides who uses those APIs, can revoke the API keys at any point. And that's basically Twitter. There is no adjudication process for getting back on Twitter. If Twitter doesn't want you on Twitter, tough luck, right? Same thing goes for the developer. So Twitter has a bunch of APIs. Uh, in a prior era, they were much more open. They changed over time. And so that is, is very much the centralized approach. Other side of things, uh, decentralized, right? So something like SMTP for email, uh, Git is another good example of one, right? Like I can go build a competitor to GitHub and I don't have to ask GitHub for permission and it'll work out of the box because Git is a decentralized protocol that, that does not have kind of like a corporate owner, right? But the, the challenge when you start to get out on the decentralized side of things is the user experience tends to get very technical and uh, way worse, right? You, you just need to know how to do everything. RSS is a good example of that, right? So to use RSS, you need to know, oh, I need to have a feed reader. And it's like, oh, I have a feed reader and, and I need to keep all of my subscriptions in place. And so the, the, the protocol itself um, tends to be the thing that is more decentralized. And then the, the spectrum in between is where you can get to something what we'd call sufficiently decentralized. And, and so for our point of view, rather than start with decentralized and work your way to centralization, it's actually start with centralization and then work your way on the spectrum to decentralization to the point where you can satisfy two conditions. The first is in the case of a social network, any user can have a direct relationship with another user and no one can take them away like that, that away from them, right? So if you and I wanna be connected, there's no third party that can come in and say, nope, sorry, sure, you can't be connected. The most extreme example of that, obviously, is if you have 100 million followers on Twitter or YouTube and the platform comes in and says, sorry, you, you don't have a relationship with those followers anymore. So the the kind of user to user relationship or creator to, to audience relationship, that that is a core primitive, in my view, for what decentralization is. And then the second thing is the access for developers. Right? So if I want to go build on the, the data set here and the APIs, there shouldn't be a single individual or company that can come around and say, sorry, terms of service change, we're going to really actually monetize the advertising. And sorry, your app doesn't work anymore. And so from our standpoint, the, the way to accomplish that is the thing that needs to be decentralized is the effectively the identity, which is two parts. The first is an ID number, right? So every every person on social media is represented by an internal number in a database is just an ID. And one nice feature of that is on Twitter, you can upgrade your username and you don't lose your followers, right? It's not like people were following Dan Romero before. And when I switched to DWR, uh, I lost all of them. It's because the way Twitter maps follows, it's just to that ID number, right? And then the second thing is, is the username, which that is much more of a status symbol and a kind of uh, like a your, what represents how you interact on these networks. And so if you can remove that from any corporate company and, and API, it allows uh, any user to choose whatever client they want 
and not have to worry about lock-in or anything like that. And I think an analogy here is uh, Bitcoin and ETH, when you put it on a company like Coinbase, Coinbase is a centralized company over here, right? Coinbase can choose to kick you off Coinbase. But when Coinbase kicks you off Coinbase, you don't lose your Bitcoin or ETH. You, we call it, you know, mandatory account closure. That's what happens with Coinbase for some compliance reason. They don't take your money from you. They say, where do you want your money sent? Like, we don't want to do business with you anymore. But you as the user have the ability to exit and then interoperate with everything else in the ecosystem, right? It's not like special Coinbase Bitcoin. It's no, it's like, this is real Bitcoin. And I can move that to FDX. I can move it to a right. uh, self-hosted wallet. Same thing goes for a social network. So if, in the, the totally centralized version, you, you get kicked off. There is no ability to exit and then interoperate with the same graph. Uh, you have to effectively re rebuild it, right? Another example of this, and that's actually more relevant for social media, is email. So if I have a Substack, and for whatever reason, I might not want to use Substack anymore as a publisher, or Substack doesn't want to have host my content, there is no confusion that the email subscriber list that I have belongs to me, right? And if I take that list and I move to a self-hosted option or a competing uh, newsletter provider, I'm, I have uninterrupted access to my subscribers that I worked hard to, to build that relationship with. And so in our point of view, that's the only thing you actually need to focus on the decentralization. Everything else, you can actually have it be the primary way people deal with stuff is in a centralized client, right? And the, the benefit you get from that is the centralized client is going to offer vastly superior user experience because the economies of scale that start to happen, you probably have cloud-based services. Versus if you use the truly decentralized client where you have to host everything yourself, you're now dealing with what happens when the, you know, my client goes down or the host doesn't work, or I have to now upgrade it because there's like a, a vulnerability in the, you know, the Node.js package that's in the open source software. It, it like the user experience is significantly worse. And that the, the easy answer is why do most people use Gmail and they don't run their own mail server? It's just because it just works. It's easy, right? And, in, and what's interesting about Gmail is you have a Gmail address that's not exit with interoperability. If you have your own domain and you use G Suite, you can move to a different uh, host, right? Because you, you own the domain and you can just change where it's pointed. But if you have a Gmail address and you get really attached to that Gmail address, Gmail is not allowing you to move that to Yahoo and say, okay, well, the Gmail address right. now belongs to this client over here. Generally, I think Google's pretty good in that you can use other clients that sit on top of it. But the, the relationship you do have with Gmail is they're looking at all your emails and mining it for data, right? right. For, for whatever advertising purposes they want to do. That's, that's part of it being free. But I think that the, the core of that sufficient decentralization is find the thing that you need to be able to get to be a decentralized point, keep that decentralized, and then let the market develop in a way that you're going to have centralized clients that people opt into, and then people can choose more decentralized clients. What's up, guys? Thank you for listening. If you've gotten this far, then you are a champ and I owe you a free listener pin. Go to adamlevy.io forward slash NFT, fill in your info, and I'll distribute the NFT towards the end of the season. By collecting your pin, you prove your contribution to the season and get exclusive access to content, allow lists, and more. So be sure to collect yours. 
Also, please make sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. This helps me out so much. And finally, hit me up on Twitter at LevyChain. I want to hear what you're building, the latest crowdfund you're trying to complete, or if you simply want to chat. I love talking about where crypto meets the creator economy, and it's no different if it's coming from you directly. So thanks again for your support. It means the world, and I'll see you on the next episode.